Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, the continuously, endlessly ill Josh Clark. <laughs> Reminiscent of 2010-ish, 9. What's crazy is, dude, I take such good care of myself, though. I drink so much juice, like fresh juice. You mean I juice almost every day. Well, that doesn't mean you're impenetrable to sickness and viruses. I, no, I don't smoke cigarettes at all. That doesn't mean you can't get a virus. Um, no, it should. It should. I am like a fortress here, man. I exercise a lot. I like, I, I, I spray Lysol in my face three right. times a day. That's probably what did it. It's, it's, it's irksome. I know. I feel bad for you. Anyway, that's me. Chuck's fine. This is Charles W. Chuck Bryant seated <laughs> across from me. He's totally fine. It is a fiddle. And something I noticed about Chuck today was a little stirring. Chuck is the spinning image for Tony Stark. <laughs> Please. What do you you mean? look exactly like Tony Stark. Like Robert Downey Jr.? Yes. No. You do. You've got the hair. I look like I ate Robert Downey Jr. You have the <laughs> you don't. You've got the hair. You have the facial hair. You've got the um the glowing chest. <laughs> yeah, you have the whole thing going on. All right. For the uninitiated, um, Tony Stark is Iron Man. He's billionaire industrialist turned Playboy. superhero. Yeah. Iron Man. Philanthropist. Yeah. And that was clearly just said to introduce oh. our topic. That is not true. <laughs> I patted you on the shoulder and reminded you that you looked like Tony Stark before we were up. ever recording. <laughs> all right. But we are talking about exoskeletons, which is... The Iron Man suit, for all practical purposes, is an exoskeleton. Yeah, because one thing I learned reading this article is that an exoskeleton is also known as a wearable robot. Yeah. Which falls under the category of human augmentation. Yeah, and, and one of the Japanese versions, of the, the How one that we're going to talk about. Yeah. I saw some video today that where they had one that was in the color of uh, the Iron Man suit. Is that right? Yeah, of course they're going to do that at some point. Sure, but I well, did you see the one on the um, on the page zero of this article? Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's like an army exoskeleton, and next to it says "Future Soldier," and there's the little there's nice track lighting above it for some reason. Play more with Claymore. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that was grim. That was um, Simpsons. Well, okay. Yeah. Sorry, but still grim. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw some exoskeleton videos too that were pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing where we're at right now. Yeah, because this is this is not new, but it turns out the U.S. military, the Pentagon, has been like, "Give us an exoskeleton. We want one bad." Since yeah, like the '60s. Sure. And pretty much nonstop, people have been trying to do this, and we're finally getting to the point now where they're becoming viable. So it's awesome. It is awesome. So um, let's talk about the the history of this. Like we were saying. Uh, an exoskeleton is a wearable robot. Yeah. Um, it's also human augmentation. But you can't confuse it for armor because armor is not really augmenting anything. It's protecting. Yeah, sure. Although an exoskeleton would um, customarily be provide some sort of protection like armor. There's a distinction between the two. Yeah, although the, these that they're making now don't have any armament that I can see. No, it's coming, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. They just, Other than protecting its own systems. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess if your arm happens to be behind that, yeah. it's protecting <laughs> it as well. It's a win-win. So, like I was saying, let's. Um, this has been around for a little while, this idea, or the Pentagon's quest for this. Yeah. But um, 
Kevin Bonzer and Patrick Kiger point out that this idea goes back to like the 19th century. Um, have you heard of the steam man on the prairies? Steam man of the prairies. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. I looked it up. It looks like a robot WC Fields. It does. It looks like, a, and that might've been the, ins- or actually that was pre WC Fields. Yeah. Even. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's a big, it was a book. It was a little dime, dime store novel in 1868 uh-huh. by uh, Edward Sylvester Ellis. And, uh, it was a big giant WC Fields robot that pulled, um, I guess the, uh, the creator of said robot in a little cart. Johnny Brainerd. Like a rickshaw of sorts. Yeah. Pulled by a robot of sorts. Yeah, so really you could liken him to a robot more than a wearable robot. He was yeah. basically a robot that pulled a cart. But for 1868, for someone to be dreaming this stuff up, it's pretty remarkable. I say that the 19th century was a, um, a, had a deep pool of fantastic imagination. Agreed. From like the mid-19th century to like the 30s. That's where it all happened. I mean, that's where it all began, at least. Yeah. Except and then the like, 70s happened, and, and yeah. like that was cool. Like We went back to it a little bit. But the 19th century to the 30s, it was right there, man. If they could have thought of, up something like the internet, they would have. And also, um, you can look up um, the Steam Man of the Prairies. Uh, there's images of him all over the internet. And yeah. if you're interested in that kind of thing, the entire book's on Project Gutenberg. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. So, um, He's doing great work, Steve Gutenberg, these days. Yeah. He's a, killing it. What a project. I mean, who would have thought that, like, post-Police Academy, yeah. he would dedicate himself to something like that noble? <laughs> um, I think some people might think we're serious. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> uh, so after that, let's flash forward a bit to 1961. Uh-huh. This is actually a couple of years before Iron Man. It's kind of remarkable, even in 63, that Iron Man, as a comic, made its appearance. Well, I wonder if, like, this was... And if this inspired Iron Man, it probably did. Probably so. Those Marvel guys, they had their finger on the pulse of stuff. Uh, the Pentagon had a couple of proposals for the wearable robots. And uh, the AP even reported on the, quote, servo soldier, the yeah. Tom servo soldier. Right. And uh, it was a human tank equipped with power steering and power brakes, <laughs> run faster and lift heavy objects, uh, immune to germ warfare, poison gas, and even a nuclear blast. Right. Because that's the whole point. They're thinking big. It's basically like we need to come up with some sort of outfit that a person can wear that will help them be bigger, faster, stronger, jump higher. Yeah. Punch uh, harder. Yeah. What's astounding, Chuck, um, is within just a couple of years, a Cornell scientist named Neil Meisen had something that he called the man amplifier that looks remarkably similar to the stuff of today. Have you seen it? Yeah. It sort of reminded me of the... Um, you saw Aliens, right? Yeah. Remember the little forklift yep. thing? It sort of looked like that on top, but the base of it, instead of legs, had like a tank, uh, caterpillar tracks like a tank. I didn't see that part. Yeah. The ones I saw looked just like that exoskeleton from Aliens. That might have been the Superman suit. I think it was the same thing. Now that, well, the man amplifier that I saw from Popular Science uh-huh. was like a machine. It was on tracks. With, with tank tracks. That's yeah. pretty cool. But I even so, it one. had the big... Uh, Big grabby robot arms, right? Yeah, they yeah. crush, kill, destroy missiles. Yeah. Um, so uh, this guy Neil Meisen had a had a, this the idea, the concept down pretty quickly in pretty short order, right? Yeah. Um, he wasn't the only one. This kind of set off this Pentagon call for exoskeletons. Set off like a, a fervor. Um, GE came up with something called the uh, <laughs> the pedep- pedepulator. 
Yeah. Pedipular. Did you see that one? Yeah. It looked like a, a modular, like you could hook some together. Yeah, it looked like a sort of like the cab that you ride in looked like a big one of the big bulldozer cabs. Right. And then it had but it had four legs. And it actually walked. Did it have four legs? Yeah. I saw so the one I saw, again, it looked like a um an ad at, right? From Empire Strikes Back. And had two legs? Yeah. Interesting. Um, But they were strung together. There was like four of them strung together. I don't know. Ed had four legs. No, I had two. No, Ed had four. You're thinking of the Tauntaun. No, the Tauntaun is the 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 beast. beast. No, the The Adat was the big four-legged. Oh, uh, okay. Then I'm thinking of the smaller version that's on two legs. Okay. In the same scene. (laughs) Just the At. Right. Right. I'm sure there's Star Wars fans out there going, it's called the me. We're, and we're going to hear from them. Yeah, I don't remember what that's called. Um, but you could you could combine these things and form basically like a um, human exoskeleton centipede. Yeah, but none of these to me look like exoskeletons. They look like machines that you sit in and ride and I drive. Got okay, then I saw something that said this is Neil Meisen wearing his man amplifier, and it looks exactly like the stuff that they test out today. Wow. Yeah. Well, good for him. Good for Neil. I get the impression that he was um, ahead of his time. So most of these things, unfortunately, of course he was ahead of his time, uh, ended at, like in somewhat of a dead end. Um, why? There's some really good reasons why. Well, yeah. I mean, the reasons you would probably guess, which is it's way too com- uh, expensive. Uh, computers aren't fast enough. Especially in 1965. Everything's too heavy. The batteries, we can't design batteries that will last long it's enough. It's a big deal. It's like... Sort of the quest with all technology is like you got to make it affordable and uh, light enough to operate and, you know, co- yeah, I guess affordable would be cost effective. But right. all these things and then technology is just the limits of technology. So material science basically wasn't where it needed to be and is only just now starting to get there. One of the other big problems, one of the other big hurdles with making a decent exoskeleton is the actuator. Which are the um, the little muscles that move the electromechanical muscles that move in place of the human muscles? That's right. Um, but we're starting to get there. I mean, computing power is getting smaller and more um, more um, portable. Yeah, and incredibly powerful. That was the word I was looking for. And wait until we get into quantum computing, man. It's going to take off like a rocket. I'm sure. Um, we our battery life. Is getting uh, more portable, smaller, more durable. Yeah. Um, and apparently actuator science is really starting to come around. Well, that's good. So that means that we have all the stuff in place. And apparently DARPA, the um, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, a.k.a. the um, secret Area 51 people. Yeah. Uh, I think Morgan Freeman heads up that division. Is that right? I think so. Okay. So um, what's his name? Somebody Fox? The Fox? <laughs> Isn't just, it? I don't even remember. In the Batman movies? Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, okay. He, he's red to me. <laughs> yeah. Always. Um, no, but not Red Fox. No. Um, so uh, the DARPA was apparently well aware that this these material science and computing power was starting to come around, and they put out another call for exoskeletons, and this one's starting to pay off. Well, a call in the form of $75 million worth of funding. Right meaning, hey, we can actually put a little dough towards this. And they said uh, they started a division called the Exoskeletons for Human Performance Augmentation, sure. which doesn't spell anything cool. No. I think they kind of dropped the ball there. I agree. Um, and they wanted something uh, that would accomplish five things. They had a directive. 
They wanted something that would uh, allow just a regular soldier to carry like hundreds of pounds of gear uh-huh. without much exertion. Right. And this is one of the big applications. It's not to fly around and shoot people like Iron Man. Like a lot of it's kind of boring. It's like lifting supplies right, all day long, doing the work of three soldiers, basically. Yeah. Loading missiles. Yeah, really heavy stuff that you might need a machine to do. Mm-hmm. You can now get a man machine. Uh, the second thing they wanted um, to be able to handle heavy weapons that would require two people. Uh, now you can do it with one. They wanted to be able to carry soldiers off the field, which is a huge deal. Uh, and one of the reasons my brother-in-law, who's a Marine, mm-hmm. says that they don't allow women in combat is because a lot of you know you need someone who can throw a soldier over their back mm-hmm. and trudge through the desert for a day if you need to. That's a common obstacle that's thrown up against uh, female firefighters as well. Oh, yeah? Yep. I get that. I'm all for equality, but you got to take care of the people. You know what I'm saying? You're in dangerous water, Chuck. No, man. I mean, I'm all for it. If there's a woman who can throw me on her back and carry me three miles through the desert, I'm all for it. Yeah. But just don't leave me dying out there. Right. <laughs> um, they wanted it to be uh, impenetrable, impenetrable to gunfire, which is pretty key, too. There's the armor thing. The armor thing. And then finally... I think this was the little kid in all of them. They wanted it to be able to jump really high. Yeah, really, really high. <laughs> Just like, and and make it jump really high and say cool stuff. And there's actually, um, there's something called the uh, Springtail Exoskeleton Flying Vehicle. Have you seen that one? Yeah. That, I don't know about hovering motionlessly thousands of feet in the air. I don't think they're at that point yet. Yeah, and this didn't even, this was not even exoskeleton. It no, it was more it's like, a a, it was like a G.I. Joe um, machine. And it's not a jetpack either, which was in this article. No, what it is is um, it's a couple of t- turbines, kind of like uh, It's that, like two fans. Yeah, um, off to the side. Yeah. In a, um, a with a ladder in between. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're standing under like under a ladder, which is just bad luck to begin with. Yeah. And then connected to the ladder are two turbines on each side, mm-hmm. and you just hang on and you take off. Which I again, I don't think it's a an, a combat exoskeleton, but it would be very cool if your exoskeleton could fit inside. Yes. So you run 500 miles carrying 500 pounds. Yeah. For 24 straight hours, and then you uh, get in this thing and fly off. Yeah, that would be cool. I think that's that's where we're trying to head here. It's like a little personal helicopter at this point, though. Yeah, because, I mean, if the company can crack the this code, they can make all manner of cool little things, right? Yeah. And make them all compatible, like, and then tell the Army, like, collect all eight. <laughs> but you have to buy the Happy Meal. Yeah. Okay. And the Happy Meal cost you. Uh, we should talk about Sarcos, which would later morph into Raytheon. Uh, they're one of the leaders in the exoskeleton yeah. racket. Um, a guy named Steve Jacobson is the uh, was the robot maker at Sarcos. I don't know. Is he still at Raytheon? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, he's what started it there, though. And um, he basically uh, devised a system where sensors would detect these little minute contractions in your own uh, muscles. Like if you go to like grab something, your muscle's going to mm-hmm. contract a little bit. Yeah. And uh, then there were a series of valves, which regulate the flow of this high-pressure juice yep. to these joints. Those joints powered cylinders attached to cables that were sort of like tendons. Mm-hmm. And he sort of made a very basic mechanical version of how our own muscles and tendons operate. Well, like an extension of it, an augmentation of it, where basically these sensors go, oh, I know what you're about to do. Let me. Right. 
and um, you 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 will pull your arm off if you try to pick this up. But me, the exoskeleton, knows what you're trying to do. And then after I'm sure training for a few days in this thing, it just becomes second nature. Yeah. Did you see the Iron Man guy, the dude from the movie? No, I didn't see that video. I was looking for it. The guy was uh, Clark Gregg. He was like the agent from the Avengers and the Iron Man movies. Okay. And uh, he tried this thing on and like punched uh, wood blocks and lifted these big weights and did push-ups and it was pretty remarkable. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes. Uh, And they called this the XOS. This is the first prototype. And the XOS, well, it's actually the XOS 2 now. Well, that was yeah. The XOS was the first prototype, but this is kind of like the um, the the leading edge. Like I think the Pentagon and DARPA are putting a lot of funding behind Raytheon's um, XOS. Yeah, they they predict by 2015 they could have a tethered module going. What does that mean? That means it's tethered. Do you <laughs> not know what tethered means? <laughs> that means it's attached to something like a, a cable. Right. Oh, uh, oh, so like it's attached to a power source or something like that? Something like that. Okay. Um, and then by 2018, they're hoping for a non-tethered version. Yeah. And Because, um, I mean, it's like, hey, bad guys, come over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't get to you. Well, the tether one would be fine for dudes like loading trucks and things like that on base. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But not in what they call the theater of war. You know? Was by the way- Winston Churchill? Yeah, I think so. Um I think we forgot to mention that flying vehicle thing. That yeah. thing actually goes over 100 miles an hour now. Yeah. And the XOS runs at least 10 miles an hour. And I remember reading that first and being like, whatever. Yeah. And then I think, oh, yeah, I can't run 10 miles an hour at all. So yeah. this thing running 10 miles an hour, and the point here is it's endurance. It goes as long as its battery is charged. How um, fast can we run? I mean, you, you could run that you fast. You could get up there, but for like ten seconds, and then your heart pops. Okay. I'm talking myself. Right. There's, I mean, uh, ten miles an hour is because you walk four miles an hour. Typically, if you walk pretty fast. Yeah. No, not typically. No. No. That's getting into speed walking. Well, you, that's all. You I do either. not walk four miles an hour. Like we walk maybe two, two point five. Really? Yeah. Well, whenever I did hiking, we always based it on a four mile an hour pace. Yeah. That, that's Maybe I was four a miles hiker. in an hour. Yeah. That's really fast. I guess I was a champion hiker then. I guess you were. I should have kept that up. You're like, I used to do it on my hands. So, uh, like we said, Sarcos turned into Raytheon, and then there's other uh, competing firms, of well, course. Well, Sarcos was bought by Raytheon. What did I say? It turned into it. Okay. I mean, there's a distinction. Uh, then uh, Berkeley Bionics is another company? Yeah, they're um, civilian peacetime. They're into oh, yeah. basically helping out. The, the people who can't walk under their own power any longer. What they're getting really good at is uh, energy consumption, yeah. solving solving that problem. Yep. And uh, they had something called the human load carrier, which uh, ran for about 20 hours without a recharge, which is a big deal. Dude, that's huge. Yeah, it's a big leap forward. Did you see there's another one? Um, Argo Medical Technologies has something called the rewalk. Yeah, these are pretty it? cool. And it's like 150 grand, which sounds like a lot. But at the same time, um, if you're paralyzed, this thing lets you walk. Yeah, it's it's basically just mechanical legs attached to your regular legs yep. with a little backpack on yep. for the power. Yeah. And it's based on the Segway as far as like you lean forward and it mm-hmm. walks forward, you lean back and it stops. Which and, is good uh, because you, if as long as you are, as long as you're not paralyzed, as long as you're you have mobility 
from the waist up, uh-huh. I would think you'd be able to use it because you lean, be able to lean above your waist at your spine. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot, actually, we should point out a lot of these exoskeletons that even the Army and uh, the military are working on are, some of them are just waist down. Like yeah. Some of them are made for, you know, punching and lifting and potentially flying and shooting, but they have a lot of waist down work too, which they said helps you, like, lift things anyway because you're supposed to lift with your legs. Right. Yeah. It just transfers the load to the ground. Exactly. Um, and yeah, we're also, these don't look like um, pants. They're not like no. just exoskeleton pants. Remember Flea's um, pants made of teddy bears? No. You don't remember this? No. Oh, you should look it up. It's pretty awesome. The bass player? Yeah, from Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just kind of like braces with maybe a, a foot Yeah. that you just step into. Like you can step into these things. Yeah, it looks like sort of like a high-tech leg brace. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Except it walks for you. But pretty soon it's going to look like a awesome suit of armor that you can like run and jump and just hover yeah. and um just do all sorts of cool stuff like Tony Stark. Like really reading this I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this stuff is really good." Yeah, and right then now. you see the videos and you think, "Well, I bet it's clunky." And then you see the video of a guy that's never walked yeah. get up out of a chair and walk and you think, "Man, I bet he doesn't think it's clunky." Exactly. Because he's not trying to kill anybody, he's just trying to walk. Exactly. Now we just need to get the price down for the average person who can't walk. Yeah. Um well, how much were those? One hundred and fifteen grand. One hundred and fifty for the uh, rewalk device. Still not too bad. No, that's what I'm saying. Especially if your insurance will chip in. Yeah. Uh, so there's a company in Japan called Cyberdyne, mm-hmm. and that sounds like a, a name that James Cameron would make up, but it's real. And they have made a real breakthrough in a couple of ways. Uh, one that they don't. Uh, their Hal machine, H A L. I wonder if Kubrick was live. I'm sure he's tired of people naming everything Hal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like enough already. Did you know someone impersonated him? Oh, yeah. They made a movie about it. Yeah. Did you see the movie? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it great? No. But John Malkovich, always great. Mm-hmm. Except in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they made advances in a couple of ways. One is that they don't um, require the muscle contractions anymore. They pick up on your brain sensors, your electrical messages being sent from your brain. That's an enormous breakthrough huge breakthrough yeah because think about it you don't have to have any mobility whatsoever like you could be stephen hawking and like run around and like pick up stuff and people and throw them if you can think it you can do it yeah that should be their motto yeah uh and the other breakthrough is is i'm sure you saw the howl it's like really streamlined at this point mm-hmm. it's not well, clunky the japanese for like robotic design yeah i mean it's pretty sleek yeah they know what they're doing yeah very much um <laughs> and now we can flash forward all the way to 2010 you know what would be really cool is if they made it an exoskeleton, but they made it like look like an android. So you put on like this kind of rubbery face too, and like <laughs> it it had facial expressions and things like that. I think that would be better than this like really cool suit to go into battle. Yeah, it would just terrorize anybody who saw like this like weird plasticky human like thing coming at you with like a fifty caliber machine gun holding it like it's nothing. Uh, my guess is the way the war is going down today, people are already pretty frightened by these soldiers coming in. Yeah, I guess in they the can see in the dark war. and have laser sightings. Sure. Yeah, I think you're probably frightened anyway. Even old timey war was probably very frightening. Agreed. Maybe we should not make it more frightening now that I think about it. Okay. Maybe we should make them look like little lambs <laughs> that kill. <laughs> that explode on contact. <laughs> All right. So we're in 2010. Uh-huh. Um, DARPA has made some serious headway. Uh, now their suit. 
weighs about 55 pounds, which is like... I think this is the XOS. Is it the XOS 2? Yeah. And uh, can carry 200 pounds and with no fatigue going on. Uh, like you said, 10 miles an hour it can run. And that's pretty impressive, I think. It's an, it's good enough, especially if the thing can run. Yeah. Because this thing's running for you. You're moving, but you're just barely moving, and you're not going to get fatigued at running 10 miles an hour. No. And I can imagine, like, you can cover some ground in 10 miles an hour. Think about this. You could cover 10 miles in one single hour. <laughs> that's straight. That's true. That's a lot. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, eventually, they're going to hook GPS systems up to this. Uh-huh. Um, it says one of the uses for soldiers would be to obtain info about... Uh, approaching terrain, mm-hmm. so I guess they could send them out ahead or whatever. My friend, have you seen Predator? Yeah, the first one. Don't think that that's not going to be inserted into this this whole array of which part technology the thermal the thermal oh stuff. yeah thermal imaging yeah sure. so you're just running along ten miles an hour yeah and you have been for twenty straight hours and you're running through say the desert and you see everything thermally you're fine you're going to be just fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially if you can jump really high. Uh, really, really high. <laughs> uh, and then they're also working on some uh, some computerized fabric that they would wear that would like monitor all your systems. Yeah. So I guess the point there is it would be light. Like I'm sure they can monitor your systems now, but it'd probably be too bulky. Yeah. So you want they're going you're going to wear the computer as you wear the robot. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and what I mean, we're talking like. We're not very far off from this. 10, 15 years, maybe? Yeah, and it's not all soldiers. Like we said, they're using it. A lot of the, the research is for people with spinal injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, so pacifists can get on board, too. Exactly. Rich pacifists. Um, it also, I want to say, like, I came across a really cool website called CyberneticZoo.com. Uh-huh. And if you're into, like, old-timey, popular science oh, drawings yeah. of stuff like this. It's cool stuff. It's covered up in it. So I would... Recommend checking that out. You got anything else on exoskeletons? I want one. That's what I got. Just give it a few years, man. I'm, I'm going to get you one that looks like uh, W.C. Fields. Okay. <laughs> and I can be actually, the, the man on the prairie. It looked like a cross between W.C. Fields. If W.C. Fields mated with the Jetsons robot made, this is what this thing would look like. Roxy? Rosie? Rosie. I think so. I think Rosie. Uh, okay, if you want to learn more about exoskeletons, you can type it into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and uh, it'll bring up this awesome article. So check it out. I said search bar, listener mail time equals mail. Uh, this one's kind of a downer, but I feel like we should read it because it's, you know, need to get the stuff out there. I'm going to call it Abusive Grandparents. Oh, man, I saw this one. Yeah, we we sort of made some jokes in our time travel cast about the grandfather paradox and, like, are there abusive grandparents because they're all so sweet? And there are. Of course there are. It's very sad. I think we knew that at the time. Yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, today I was listening to the podcast and you brought up uh, Abusive Grandparents. You both sounded like it was a tough concept to swallow, and I agree, it is. That being said, I'm writing you to say that, yes, sadly, there are abusive grandparents. Uh, I was raised from the age of five by my maternal grandmother, who was physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive most of my life. Mm. Uh, she was abusive to every child who ever came through her house, her children, me, her nieces, and nephews. Uh, she herself was heavily abused as a child uh, by her mother and father that went on to be married twice to abusive husbands. Uh, unfortunately, she wasn't strong enough to break the cycle, and in fact, she encouraged my own mother, her daughter, to hit me. 
she kicked me out uh, often, and at the age of 12, I was sent to live with my deadbeat father and his wife for a summer. Uh, at 14, she kicked me out to go live with my mother and her husband. I lived there for a few years, then back to my grandmother because her home was close to my school. Uh, two weeks before my 18th birthday, she instructed my mother to beat me because I stayed home from school to go to the doctor for tonsillitis. I ran away that day and never went back. I moved in with my now husband and his parents, uh, where I lived through the rest of my high school senior year and college. Uh, it has been 10 plus years, and I have no contact with that grandmother. I've been in therapy for about four of those years, and uh, so I just want to say, yes, there are abusive grandparents. Um, I, in fact, knew of another girl my age who was also being raised by an abusive grandmother. Yeah. And that is Amanda in North Carolina, and I wrote her, and she said that she has a nine-month-old girl, and she is going to be the first one in the family to break the cycle of abuse. Good and, for her. Uh, that's, pretty, how it, that's how it happens. Yeah. So, sad all the way around. The grandmother that was abused and then had abusive husbands and then took that out on her grandkids and nephews and daughters. And it's just the cycle of abuse is horrific. Yeah. And it's up to you to break it. Well, thank you very much, Amanda, in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate the candor. That's awesome. Agreed. And congratulations for breaking the cycle. Agreed. Um, well, let's see. If you have a story that you want to share with us when we were flip with something we shouldn't have been, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd like to hear about it. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can send us a uh, Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know message post on our wall there. That was a clumsy way to put it. Yeah. You can also send us a regular old email at StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.